Welcome back to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles, the former number one Game of Thrones podcast in the realm, now bringing you the best TV shows and movies weekly in an easily digestible podcast packed with laughs by me, Ross Bolin, and my dear friend, Mr. Barrett Dudley. Barrett, how are you on this fine Wednesday evening? Man, I'm good. I'm good. I was just, uh, you know, like, I mean, if you would, if, if you were going dis- to use any word to, like, describe me, like, what, I, I'm just curious, like, what you, how you would describe me. I have to pick one word to describe yeah, or you? A few, or a few. I mean, just, you know. Huh. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, because I would say that I'm an enigma. Like That's you, the word you would Yeah, pick. you can't pigeonhole me. I'm I, there and then I'm gone. Okay. I'm intellectually promiscuous, but culturally conservative. I work hard, but I don't play hard. I play easy. Why would you play hard? <laughs> it's a good question. A fair question. Why would you play hard, Ross? It feels so good to say yes. <laughs> That's a Tommy Boy line that I've now mixed in. Uh, but yeah, yeah, that's uh, that's mostly what's on my mind. Just just bobbing and weaving over here. Hey, you know, putting together pitches. That's what you got to do, man. Learning the price of an egg. Oh fuck yeah! <laughs> <laughs> I, I have a weird uh, aside, non TV joke related, non secession related. Quickly, I had an Uber driver on the way up here that was in the army, and he was a mortician in the army. You ever met a mortician? Uh, so. Aside of that aside, my mom's father was a mortician. His family, the family business, as long as she, as as, as long homes. as, she, yeah, funeral homes. No shit. He was a mortician. Okay, well, this dude does yeah. that, but for the army. And uh, it was it was just fascinating. I've never met a mortician before, anybody that deals with dead bodies. I've only seen one dead body. For those of you who are aware of that mm-hmm. dead body, you'll remember the tale of the office parking lot where I found a- That's right. A, That's right. I do remember that. That I then had to do CPR to, which was. But speaking of mortician, shouts to uh, Haunting of Hill House, which is coming back for a second season. Oh, good. Anthology style, though, not a continuation of the first story. Ah. Yeah. I feel pleased with that. Yeah. Because yeah. I'm still not sure what the first story was. The Bent Neck Lady was Haunting of Hill House, right? Yes. Yeah, I was like half there for that. Okay. I wasn't, I wasn't all the way there. I remember being like, nah. <laughs> You know, that just happens with some shows. Okay. Yeah. yeah. yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm stoked for all the topics we have today. We finally, finally are going to wrap up Dark Season 2. For those of you who have been patient with me, I very much appreciate you. For those of you who have screamed at me for like a month, I appreciate you too. Uh, we're obviously going to get caught up on Secession and discuss Episode 4, and then we'll jump back into Mindhunter Season 2 as well for good measure. A couple Netflix originals and a new HBO staple, plus some news. So let's go. Today's episode of OCC is brought to you by Stance Socks. Have you ever noticed you started seeing or hearing a bunch of ads for socks? Like a few years ago, everyone just wore regular shitty white socks. Nobody ever talked about socks. And now there's all this noise uh, about something we never used to care about. Why? Well, part of the answer is because Stance changed the game completely when it comes to socks. I'm wearing Stance right now. Barrett is too. They brought creativity, design, and quality to what was before a very boring accessory uh, and there are a lot of pretenders out there. A lot of companies that try to ride the Stance wave. Stance is the OG. These are the dudes who kickstarted this whole sock movement that became something so much big. I have like 100 pairs of socks now as a result. It is completely out of control. Butter blend. If you're like, I don't know anything about Stance. I don't know anything about socks. Look, there's just this one thing. All you need, two words. Go to the website, okay? And then look at butter blend. Stance.com slash dragon. You'll see butter blend somewhere. Click those words and you're good. They're the most comfortable fucking socks I've ever worn in my entire life. I love them. 
Uh, Barrett, speak to Stance a little bit if you well, want. Well, today I have on, you know, occasionally not every day is a is a mid-calf day for some of us. That's true. So you do need low cuts or, or no-shows. Of course. And the Stance gamut, uh-huh. or if you like to be fancy, you can say gamu. Ooh, gamu. The gamus. Yeah, that's let me the way get the a three pa- Let me get a three-pack of the gamus. Oh, yeah. Um, yeah, that's that's so that's what I've got on today. Gamu no okay. shows. I'm no butter shows. blending. Yeah, yeah, hard. And I, right, and I'm gamuing. Okay, yeah. good for us. Both of us are doing the right thing, and that's what's important. We Gamu, both have, you yeah. can remember it because it rhymes with Camus, the French author. Yeah, <laughs> <What>? <laughs> the random Camus plug in the yeah, stance yeah, read. yeah. But stance socks will not send you down an existential crisis spiral. That's so good. That's why I love them. That's huge. <laughs> that's huge. From everyday casual styles like no shows and crews to performance athletic socks, they really have everything they've got the official on-court brand of the nba since 2015 i've got a couple pairs of their nba socks as well uh they actually have a butter blend pair that's nba themed and and has the nba logo on it or whatever anyway it doesn't matter stance.com slash dragon free pair of socks with purchase that's a great offer great offer for you clam fam go to stance.com slash dragon you'll get a free pair of socks with purchase s-t-a-n-c-e.com slash dragon to get your free pair of socks this is a limited time offer, so take advantage today. Go to stance.com slash dragon. If they're not stance, they are just socks. And if your sock collection is still comprised of trash and not stance socks, we're doing you a huge favor here. Huge, massive favor. Free pair of socks. Let's talk about Patreon quickly. Remind the people what's coming in September. Okay. Do it. Patreon.com slash Yes, thank you, Ross. Uh, this month on Patreon.com, we've, we're, we're, we're just, you know, we're giving you a whole bunch of different content. First up this week, we're going to dive deeper into Succession. Deeper. We're halfway through season two. Yeah. It's the perfect midway point to stop and reflect on what we've seen thus far. What we think about the season. Talk the about whole. how we feel about the season so far and look forward to what may come next. Uh, after that, next week, we will be attending the cinema. Mm. To see part two of horror movie, it. <laughs> yeah, it looks. Uh, you mentioned that you that you Googled. I can't remember why you Googled you, clowns. Or something. You sent me our movie ticket confirmation. Oh yeah, yeah. And I, you know, as one does, I tried to respond to this email with a uh, with a GIF. Uh huh. And so I was looking up clown GIFs. I say GIF. GIF, but whatever. And uh, and I, I I ended up just like not sending you anything because I just ended I just was t- I terrified myself at work looking at freaky deaky clown gifts. Yeah, clowns are terrifying. And like I didn't, I walked out of it part one, being like, well, that was pretty good, kind of scary, not that scary. I wasn't like it was more fun than scary. it was more fun, kind of thrilling, but not. I wasn't like shaking in my boots, scared. Yeah, it wasn't the. And right. now I'm like nervous to go see part two. Just because I looked up clown gifts, I feel like they really upped the nature of its, like the horrifying features of his, of his face. face. Yes, yeah. I think they they may have. Like, yeah. They went up a notch or yeah. some shit. Because there's a part, a part in the trailer where I was like, ah, yeah, when I he, think I've tinkled a little. Because when Pennywise is just regular Pennywise face, he's, he's okay. He's scary clown. But then when but he goes, okay. when he goes like full teeth ape shit clown Mon- face, monster clown, that stuff is very. Creepy. Yo no Kiro, Pennywise monster clown. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. That fucking, I still, dude, I, I don't know what it is about that opening scene of the first movie of the, the boy going and, and he puts the little paper boat mm-hmm. in the storm rain drain and whatever and then it's down there. <clears throat> Pennywise rather. That shit, 
I can still see that very clearly in my head, like that entire scene. I feel like I watched that scene too many times for some reason. It was just a really well done, fun, up-to-date version of an incredible horror franchise. Yes, yeah. And uh, I'm stoked to go see part two, for real. Uh, you, you know, and for me, I always love when uh, they make a movie out of a book that is like eight 800 pages long. Yeah. Because I'm not reading that. No shit, yeah. right? Anyways, after our movie club week, we By will the way, be... can we just touch on the cast quickly? Oh, yeah, great for, cast. That's Jessica great Chastain, cast. James McAvoy, Bill Skarsgård, Bill Hader. I mean, it's, it's Isaiah Mustafa, it's... Uh, it's going to be a lot of fun. I am I am a huge fan. I am the president of the Jessica fan, Chastain fan club. Okay. I feel like she's underrated. Really? Yeah. I think I think she does a good job of maintaining like that. There's some well this is so fucked that that I've thought this much into it. But she's like doesn't do too much work. Yes. So that she her brand is like very High quality. It is. It is. It's a high quality brand. I'm not overexposed yep. to Jessica Chastain. That is very true. Yeah. Uh, after that, we're you know we're clear in the lane. We are finishing Dark today. We'll be done with Mindhunter next week. So we've got some we've got some space here. We do. So week three of Patreon, we're going to be covering the Righteous Gemstones. Happy about this as well on HBO. Hopefully, lots of laughs. I have read almost nothing. I'm trying to stay as pure as I can until we get there. Yeah, I, I know. I know almost nothing. I've read like one column, and that was enough to convince me that we to should give it a shot. That we should give it a shot. Yeah. yeah. And finally, wrapping up the month on Patreon for Mollusk Militia members only, we will do another Hotline Call episode, which to date have been just some real bangers. If oh you yeah. Just like if you like hearing, you know, you guys give Ross and I give Ross and me a prompt. Some direction, and then, and then just uh, letting us spin off into into wild tangents. Yeah, that's the episode for you. You're going to enjoy the hotline. You're going to enjoy the hotline call extravaganza. Yeah. yeah, yeah. That's what we've got in September on Patreon.com/slash Oysters Clams Cockles. A quick bit of news before we dive into Dark Season Two for the final time today. Netflix announced. Uh, that, as speculated by Barrett Dudley and Ross Bolin of Oysters, Clams, Cockles, that they're going back to episodic releases for all shows. I'm just kidding, not really. But they did announce they're doing weekly releases for some shows like the Great British Baking Factory, whatever the fuck it is that you watch, Barrett. And as a result, today everybody went batshit with the clickbait headlines saying that Netflix actually broke (laughs) and like went insane and was going back to weekly episodic releases and I thought, as a result of the clickbait, that you and I were some type of like Nostradamus future seer situation thing going on. We've talked about this the last couple episodes. And then there was news about it today. Yeah, I was yeah. like, oh my God, they did it. It well, turns out, no, nah, not really. Okay. So was this mostly about Great British Bake, bake Off? Yeah. So there's like, I went and looked at the, the New York Times and Forbes both reported about, about this since... Uh, Originally, since all that clickbait was coming out, and they are not abandoning the binge drop strategy. It's that they have some shows based on the way the syndication deals or the way the show was acquired. I think it's often like European or Asian markets. Okay. Like maybe the advertising works a little bit differently there. I'm not Mm -hmm. sure. But for whatever reason, it causes them to need to tie in these episodic releases to the contract. Interesting. Interesting. So it's, it's, and they were acknowledging that and everybody ran with it to say like, Netflix is abandoning the binge drop. Okay. But they're not. Yeah. At all. <clears throat> to be clear. Now, suffice it to say though, I'm, I'm on the lookout for this because. Oh, it's coming eventually. I think that they will experiment eventually. Now, what will be really, really telling, Netflix had a bad quarter, uh, second quarter of the year. 
they did not come close to hitting their projections for like subscribers gained and right. variety. Well, think about all the competition. Variety of metrics just were not met, and the stock took a dip. You fucking hate when you don't hit your metrics. You yeah, know? yeah. What and 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 people started. You know, the the, the the hubbub began. People were chattering about like, oh, is net something wrong with Netflix? What's wrong with Netflix? Ba, 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 ba. That's me. The squirrel noise uh, that was yeah. not in your car. <laughs> if you were if you just heard and you were driving and you freaked out. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, you know, it, it'll be quarter three will be telling because that's when they had stranger things and you know, that's when they've had mind hunter. Yeah. They've had a couple of big, like kind of tentpole franchises come back. And so if all the numbers are met again, then it probably pushes off that, that experimentation a little bit further. But it does feel like it's coming inevitably. It just feels like it is going to be something that they eventually play around with. I don't know why you wouldn't. Right. I mean, at least toy around with it. It's just uh, like a lot of times I've started something on Netflix and watched like one or two episodes and then just never come back to it because there's nothing to like, you just you. forget about it. Yeah. There's Dude, no yeah. like, oh, that show's back on this week. There's a new episode because it's all always there. Right, right. So it's just very easy. Like, you know. Well, so, the weird thing is though, but we broke the wheel, right? We were like, fuck this. Why would we only watch when they want us to watch? Let's watch whatever right. we want on demand, streaming anytime, binge drops. And then we realized like, oh, there were some reasons the original wheel existed. Yeah, yeah. And that's very, like now we're going to have to find, okay, so where's the perfect version? Is somewhere in between, right? Because the binge drop thing, there's too many negatives. We've, we've uncovered them all over the course of the last five, 10 years. Yeah. I mean, it's gotten weird. Uh, there's no reminders, like you said. It makes marketing very difficult. It makes doing coverage of a show for the sake of websites or podcasts right. or entertainment television very difficult because the show comes out three weeks later. Some people have watched the entire thing twice. Some people haven't seen a single episode. Some yeah. people are four episodes in. Yes. There are too many issues. Yeah, it doesn't keep you on track. And uh, by the way, uh, not to take shots at <laughs> some of you guys, but like, I just don't even understand being able to or wanting to like crush eight episodes of one of one series in like a weekend. I used to understand it. Maybe if I was going back and like catching up on Game of Thrones or something like that, yeah, it would make more sense. But if you're like getting ready for, you know, the final season of Breaking Bad or Mad Men or whatever it was, yeah. That makes more sense to me, but just being like, oh, Stranger Things is out. Let's just like lock and ourselves done. lock ourselves in the living room and yeah crush the entire thing that's crazy i feel like you and me are in a tough spot there though because it's like it's different it's a little bit different for i still know some people who do this but i think it gets tougher when you get into like your fucking 30s and you have work and all these responsibilities and shit like yeah you have more free time when you're younger and uh i feel like that has a pretty big effect on it but also we watch so many shows true, true. that a lot of these people are able to like okay i'm gonna do stranger things this weekend and nothing else yeah Whereas, like, I have to watch the other shows we're doing. Right. Because we're covering them. That's, yeah. Um, but, yeah, it's going to be interesting to see where this goes because clearly the binge binge drop strategy has its flaws. Clearly, we weren't happy with the OG wheel either. So there's got to be some flaws there. I don't know where it's going to go. Somewhere in the middle is where we're at right now. It's getting fucking weird. It's confusing. But, uh, no, Netflix has not yet abandoned the binge drop strategy. Let's talk Dark Season 2. I okay. did it, Barrett. All right. I did it. I fulfilled my promise to you, you and did. the Clamp fam. You did. You did. Are you ready for my thoughts here on Season 2? I'm very ready. Yeah, I have no fucking idea, man. Okay. Okay. 
<laughs> Great. So here's the problem. <laughs> I was not prepared to get taken through the ringer like that. I feel like five episodes into season two, as I sort of mentioned before, I started to really understand season one. Okay. Like five episodes into season two, I was like, and now I know who all the characters are. (laughs) And I felt really good about that. Like I was like, okay, good. And then by the finale, like episodes eight ending, I was like back to like, what does it all mean? Obviously, there were a few big twists and turns along the course of the season uh, that led to that confusion. The first of which was, and I've been waiting to talk about this for a while, so we're just going to get right to it. Jonas ends up being Adam, obviously. Yeah, we've talked about that. Which we, we did Okay, we did that. get to yes. touch on that. We Good. did touch on that. So that's yeah. the first huge twist where you're like, wait, what? Game changer. Uh, and just for some clarity, because I don't think you can talk about dark enough, the more times you hear it hammered into your head, the more likely you are to have a chance at understanding season three. That's true. Uh, Jonas will eventually become Adam. Right? Yes. A time traveler, Adam, who has set up his home time base, if you will, in the year 1921. And Adam has a devi- access to a device which uses the God particle, which allows him to journey anywhere in time, uh, not simply 33 years into the past or into the future, which is how the machines work for everyone else, I believe. Or at least some of the machines, I'm unclear. There's new machines. One looks like a Pokeball. It's fucking gold. It's tight. Uh which limits, obviously, everybody else's what they can affect compared to him. Adam, or old Jonas, whatever, whatever you want to call him, that was a whole new wrinkle I was not prepared to handle, but uh, obviously things get as complicated as they could possibly be on a television show, I believe, with the huge moment at the end of Dark Season 2 when Martha, or Marta, 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 Tiedemann, Tiedemann. Do you find yourself wanting to say Tiedemann or wishing you knew a Tiedemann? Yes. Also, it's that is that is partially because there's somebody early on in the credits. It's like a producer Tiedemann that has the last name, I believe, uh, Wiedemann or Wiedemann. Wiedemann. It's like a, with a W. But okay. They say what they'd say that with the V. Okay. And so I feel like they were just like, oh hey, hey that producer's name, make that the last name with a T. But then, but then with a T. Yeah. So Tiedemann and Wiedemann and I like Wiedemann. Wiedemann. I don't know why Arta. that name. Every time I hear it, it's it sticks with me. Tiedemann. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So Marta gets shot by old Jonas slash Noah in front of young Jonas to theori- to theoretically set young Jonas on the path that he needs to go on to become Adam. Yes. Yes. Now, the problem there is it we we hit a point again where you what I mean by 5 episodes in I started to understand what was happening. I feel like I had a good grip on good guys and bad guys. Right? A pretty good grip. And by the end of the season, gone. Yeah. No fucking clue. Because once again, there, yeah. there is no beginning, there is no end. It's a snake eating its tail situation, and you can't really get a feel for whether or not Adam is truly evil. We don't know. We don't know who's good. We don't know who's bad. And now, I, were, were there any other like significant like plot pieces in the lead up to the finale that you wanted to touch on before I just like I talk mean, like in general terms? No, I feel free to talk as in in as many general terms as you want. Okay, so one this th- is going to be chaotic yeah. discussion. <laughs> one one thing that I feel like I sort of ended up grasping at the end of season two mm-hmm. was this idea that you that you are so you that a person is is such themselves, right? That even the de- even the decisions to try to change something 
are like a part of their DNA and make it so that all that everything else happens. Right. So it's like the moment where you're like, no, 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 I'm going to go back and I'm going to fix this is part of the the never ending cycle. Right. It is part of the the. the, 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 the timeline, uh, the, the existence. The, the, what is it? The boomerang paradox? The, oh, yeah, yeah. The, the bootstrap paradox. The there bootstrap you go. Bootstrap, paradox. Bootstrap bill. Like, it, like the, the whole, the loop revol- like revolves around you thinking that you can make the decision to go back and change something. Right. Which, in effect, causes everything else to, f- to fall the way that it will. Yeah, it all flows into each other. So, like, each one of those decisions that you think is going to, like, alter it this time was is part a- of it is actually just part of it right and so each time that you now now the question there becomes well what do these people in their various states of time travel know or remember about the last time that they did this yeah that's where it gets really tough for me to tell how much knowledge somebody had especially when like speaking to Tiedemann when Claudia Tiedemann goes and meets with her self that has cancer in another fucking time frame. <laughs> I was, that was a brain melter. Like I was yeah. like, I can't, what does she know versus what does she know versus the old w- version of her who is now dead after being shot in the woods. Well, but probably not. So just the fact the, the what you touched on right there, just the, when they meet themselves. Yes. That also draws up another question for me, which I still don't wrap uh, have a grasp on or, or can't wrap my head around which is like are we are we kind of at this point where we think that there are essentially like infinite versions of th- themselves sort of that's sort of the feeling i get is because it- i can't tell like when they go back like how many of them in one in one year can there be yeah how many of the how many versions of, of one, one person, person can, can there be in one it doesn't seem there's a limit and I, the limit and, does not exist. Well, and th- that segues right into this this whole thing that we've talked about before, which I also feel very strongly is like what like we're 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 headed towards this mm-hmm. is that Winden has like three original people, and every single person is an iteration of those three. people. Right. Okay. So I no longer feel like we're going there. Okay. I did. There was a point in season two where I was like, oh, good God, are Barrett and I going to be correct about, is this going to be six people? Because don't remember, well, I mean, don't forget that one of the other massive rev- res- revelations uh-huh. was that Charlotte's daughter is her mom. Yes. <laughs> that one was, a, uh, I literally, it was like, that was a pause button moment. Like I was like, okay, 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 wait, okay, okay, what? So that means... That means the dad had had sex with her that means, as her that means no, in that means, the past. Well, okay, so Noah is her dad, but is also her lover, brother, father. Her, is also her uncle, son, and son-in-law. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a, that's a problem. Also, Jonas and Martha are related. She's like his aunt or something. Yeah. That that became like a little yes. Game of Thronesy when they introduced that oh, element. That, oh, there was definitely they 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 lobbed the incest right on in there. Yeah, all of a sudden you're dealing with the this is wrong. Is it wrong though, Jon Snow? Yeah, yeah. And now I'm now I'm just now I'm to the point where I'm just pretty sure these shows are doing it on purpose 
because they think that people like it. Yeah, because the writers of these shows watch <laughs> porn, and when they go to the porn sites, it's all step-sibling-related shit and step-parents. And they're like, well, I guess we better work some of this shit into the fucking show. I'm serious, man. It's, it's completely out of control. It's out of, yeah. So that was confusing, uh, as was everything else. I guess, let, let, me, let me ask you this. I'm a couple days removed from finishing, okay. and I feel really good about the show still. Like, I really fucking enjoyed season two, regardless of the fact that at the end it flips its on. It, it, I have no clue what happened as, uh, we'll, we'll touch on it again. We'll get into how it ended again. Yeah, but yeah. Regardless of me not really understanding what the, I, I found myself asking, what was the point? But also, like, not really, because it sort of is. You're, those are the, the, the discussion we're having right now, the thoughts that you just went through, all the different, trying to understand it. That is the show. That's the point. Yeah, so I guess my, my kind of critique, my kind of not critique here is that mm -hmm. if the show is, if it thinks that its purpose is kind of like this, like, existential method of kind of, talking about what life is and what it means and sure. what people what effect people can actually have on like what happens or what doesn't happen purpose and impact and yeah and 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 fate or free will or mm -hmm. or, or and if we want to go down all like all those different paths if it just wants to use this like weird time traveling circle where everybody is related and like there's an infinite different version, uh, infinite versions of each of these people, then that's that. And then that's cool and worth exploring. And like, I I'll ride for this show. If it just wants to like melt your brain and make you think about all these unanswerable questions though now, but that piece at the end when they like, well, let's just, we, we can talk about it. Everybody here is, is yes, there are no seen, spoilers. Yeah. yeah. If you're listening and you haven't watched dark at this point, there's something wrong with you, but, the pen, like the the big ultimate ep moment of the season is Adam killing Martha. Yes, Jonas watching Martha die, going you know being an incredible pain about this person that he cares most about in the entire world. Yeah, dying. Who's also his aunt. Who's also his aunt. But he he seems very 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 hooked on the whole like we're a perfect match thing. Oh yeah, no, nothing else. Re nothing else that. really matters. Yeah, he to him I think the time travel stuff has confused it enough to where he's like, no, fuck that. And then Martha 2.0 pops up out of nowhere, busts through the door with all newfangled technology, new hair, new hair, same face, new time traveling device. She almost implies that she's not Martha. She's like, you know what I mean? And it's like. I'm from a different world, basically. Well, she, he asks, like, what time did you oh, come yeah, what, from? Yeah. Because he's like, tight gear and threads. Yes. Actually, he's like, oh, I want to die. I'm, I'm, in, I'm heartbroken. Uh, but she says, you mean what world? <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, here's, so here is my fear about this. It's because, because it's like they've built this very, very complex... Uh, let's just call it a box, right? But it's a, the most complex box that you could possibly build, right? A four hundred sided box, yeah. and and for 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 nineteen episodes or whatever it is, we've just been playing within this box, yeah. And as an audience, we have an we we think that the creators and the writers are playing within the rules of this box, okay. And then in the season's final moment, this feels like they have just like kicked a hole in the box. So that they can 
Make a new box. Make it like to go do a bunch of other weird new shit. But isn't that okay? But that's also how I felt at the end of season one, and that's why I feel some level of like comfort there, because at the end of season one, when they, when suddenly Jonas is in the future, you're, that's how I felt. I was like, oh, cool. You took us through all that just so you could fucking kick in the future, and now we're in a whole, whole right. other thing to deal with. So it was the same exact strategy they used at the end of season one. That's that's where I get a little concerned. Is it's like. Damn, okay, so again, we went through the whole charade just to get to the end and have it, like as Barrett put it, the box gets kicked out the fucking side? Uh, my favorite show to make fun of people for liking is Lost. Yes. And I'm, so I'm, vi- so that's my it's ultimate weird, concern. Barrett. It's is, getting weird. Is that they are just like continuing to like take the leap off of the diving board. Without knowing where it goes. And they have no idea if there's water in that pool. So what I was going to say is I'm cool with it too. Just like you said, I'm cool with them exploring all the threads of existential fucking humanity. What does it mean? Purpose, blah, blah, blah. For like three to five seasons, max. (laughs) You cannot extend this nonsense further than that and maintain quality. Yeah. So if they're going to go that route, if they want to do the lost thing and never actually give us anything. never actually say anything. Fine. But you better pull the fucking Band-Aid off three, four, five seasons in, man. I'm not trying to be 2028 watching season nine of Dark. (laughs) Figuring out that we now Jonas is like, uh, you know what I mean? I don't even know. Yeah. At some point, there's like, I feel like a fucking lizard is going to crawl out onto the screen <laughs> and he's going to turn and go, I'm also Jonas. <laughs> like, what? I don't, I don't know where the show ends. I don't know what. Yeah. yeah. But I do know this. It is getting me what I need out of it. Like, I'm, I'm experiencing the emotions with these characters. I find myself caring about all these different versions of them and wondering what their true intentions are, who is good, who is bad. And then I find myself uh, very much taking part in the what we're we've been talking about here, how the show dives into like purpose and meaning and and what is life and free will and those are some of the funnest, most incredibly intense and complicated themes to explore as a human being. And Dark does it very well and effectively, in my opinion. That's why I love the show so much. Yeah. And on top of that, it's incredibly well made and and uh, for whatever reason, ger- the German language. It just hits the ears very nicely. The show makes me just like, like they create this this German atmosphere and vibe that is very, very appealing yeah. for whatever reason. Yeah, I don't the know language why. and the way all the people look. By the way, who do you think is the most German looking person on this show? Probably, well. I think it's got to be. Michael? Is it? There's two. Mikkel. My, young, Mikhail. young Mikhail. Mikhail. No, the dad. Oh, dad. The dad. But pre- getting locked up for 20 years. Like, the version of him that goes to try to grab Mikkel from the past and then oh. gets arrested, he's extremely German-looking. <laughs> I'm going to go with uh, with Katarina, with Ulrich's wife. Okay, yeah, she's super German. I think she is the... Like, you just do not get that combination of, right. like, blonde hair, uh, like, athletic-looking build. It, she reminds me of Miss Trunchbull like, from Matilda. Like she could fuck you up, yes, but also kind of pretty, also kind of yeah, exactly, but also kind of shapely, and all, and that top off the blonde hair and blue eyes with that, and that's just like the most German looking person, you know, person on the show. I Um, feel like she could start like if you paid like a if you had a German fetish and you paid a service to send a woman to your house (laughs) dressed up in a full blown like worst fest outfit, she'd be the one who showed up. Um, but I, I'm I'm totally with you. The, sh- the 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 look of the show is done very well. And for anybody out there that is that is not interacted with Ross and uh, me on Twitter about this, 
I, I think that Netflix may start you off if you go try to watch this show with a dubbed version. I believe you are correct. So make sure if for some, well, for whatever reason you've listened to this and you're like, well, now I'm definitely going to go watch this show. Yeah. Or if you've just fast forwarded through and, and you're just hearing this randomly. I don't know. This is probably pointless. But do not watch the dubbed version. For the you, love of God. You need to watch this in German with the subtitles on. Uh, what I've been telling people is either watch it with the subtitles or do not watch it. Because yeah. dubbed over TV... It just doesn't no, work. No, it does not work, especially not in this show. It's it's truly, truly ruins it, so do not, yeah. Um, I don't know. I don't know what to what to make of, like, where we go from here. We had a friend on Twitter, George Orbinks, share a theory, Barrett, that I wanted to read. She said the God particle in the future takes them to 1921 where they build the tunnel. That's why Adam needs to cause the apocalypse. Him and Middle Jonas want the same thing, but don't realize it. And I sort of can make sense of what she's saying, but also not really. Um, I just wanted to offer that up as a possibility of where we could go from here. Well, on I, behalf of her, I, I still don't understand this this apocalypse that happens that mm-hmm. we kind of see play out. Yeah, uh, what 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 is what is that? Well, I need to know where it fits into everything too. I think the apocalypse is some kind of nuclear explosion because we see yeah, that's a yes. wiped out force. So right? is so are we led to believe that only the people that got down in that bunker survive? that apocalypse but the problem is it's like there's several versions of this world basically the way i've started to look at it is like all right there's pre-apocalypse then there's the world where the apocalypse took place right that everybody's operating in then there's the world after or the world of people trying to prevent the apocalypse so it's like that that's where the show gets crazy confusing for me the element of like okay there is a timeline where the apocalypse has taken place there is a timeline where this man, Adam, is a trying to uh, make sure that it continues to take place mm-hmm. over and over and over. And there is a timeline where these group of people is trying to prevent that man from causing the apocalypse. Yeah. And nobody really seems to know why. Perhaps Adam, he hasn't. He tells us what he needs to tell us. We don't spend too much time with him. Um, and he speaks mostly in fucking riddles and really <laughs> clever phrases that I can't understand about, you know, deep, deep thoughts uh-huh. and things. <laughs> But all this is to say, I have no clue either what what this show is, uh, where we're gonna go from here, and I and honestly, that my my concerns have already been laid out. It's ju- I'm good with where we what we're doing, where we're going, as long as we have a uh, an expiration date. If they plan on running us through this fucking thing for nine seasons, like Lost, yes, it will end with everyone making fun of us. Yeah, just like Lost. Yes. By the way, I binged Lost in one summer, and. Uh, well, I think it was one of the more frustrating, like, couple months of my life. Just what episode after episode, you, you just fu- like every day. Imagine binging Lost and and like falling in love with the characters, and then sl- like not slowly realizing <laughs> everybody else slowly realized this show's going nowhere. Yeah, quickly realizing, oh my god, they don't know what they're doing, and then having to continue to watch because you need to see how it ends, and then finding out that there that it doesn't sort of. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Good stuff. Yeah, and I mean, I, I really. By the way, uh, you guys have, have have asked us to to cover this, and to, and I just want to say I hope that this was enough. The one one of the issues that I find with discussing this show, yeah, is that you know if we sat here and like picked at each one of these threads, oh, like dude. this would be a six hour podcast of every and, episode, and I and I would leave it at, like not being able to function for two days because my right. head would hurt. Right. So all the questions that you have, 
and the I mean the general audience lis- listeners, you, uh-huh. I have the same questions. I do not know the answers. No, yeah. <laughs> if you have a recommendation, if there's like another you know video podcast that is like getting out graphs and charts and like making Carrie Matheson string boards on yeah. the wall and like laying this all out and trying to explain it because they have a vast knowledge and background in like metaphysics. I always want to credit uh, Charlie from Always Sunny. You always <laughs> want to credit Carrie Matheson. Carrie Matheson. Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, if you know of anything like that, definitely send it our way because we're, we're, we're interested in the answers as well. Absolutely. And just for the record, I don't even believe that exists. I do believe you could dissect this show at a level like that. If we wanted to, we could spend the six hour podcast. I don't <laughs> think anybody would be better off for it because I don't believe that there is an explanation yeah. for, and I don't believe there are answers for a lot of this. And I believe that to be sort of, uh, the whole point. That right, being said, right. dark season two for me, big success. Looking forward to season three. All right, well, let's, uh, let's move it. Yeah, this episode of OCC is also brought to you by Quip, makers of the greatest toothbrush to ever exist. It will change your entire mouth. The easiest way to ease back into a routine is to start it up before September, or at the beginning, right? Especially if you're headed back to school. Simplify the morning and evenings now with a simpler electric toothbrush from Quip. Timed sonic vibrations cover the basics of every part of your mouth, and it just takes two minutes twice a day to use your Quip toothbrush and make sure that your teeth are shining the way they should be. The mirror mount puts brushing front and center in your bathroom so you remember to bookend the day using your new brush. Typically what I do is like I put out my Quip and my freaking allergy medicine because I live in Austin, Texas, and I have horrible allergies to remind me at the end of the day to take my allergy medicine and then use my Quip for two minutes, and I go to bed with a fresh mouth feeling much better as a result. Uh, The lightweight, compact design means you can bring it along with you on those long summer weekend getaways. So enjoy sleeping in, then ease back into the swing of things with a smile. Again, uh, the greatest thing about Quip to me, as I've mentioned many, many, many times over many, many, many weeks, the built-in two-minute timer that pulses every 30 seconds to remind you when to switch sides. I've just never gotten as even of of a clean feeling in my mouth out of a toothbrush as I have with Quip, and that's what you're going for. The dentist feeling, and and I get that every single time I use my Quip. Their brush heads are automatically delivered on a dentist-recommended schedule every three months for just $5, a friendly reminder when it's time for a refresh to stay committed to your oral health because 75% of us use old, worn-out bristles that are ineffective. Quip is one of the first electric toothbrushes accepted by the American Dental Association. Kevin McAllister approved, and they're backed by over 25,000 dental professionals and have thousands of verified five-star reviews. That's why I love Quip. I am very confident you will too. Quip starts at just $25. And if you go to getquip.com slash dragon right now, you get your first refill pack for free. Getquip, G-E-T-Q-U-I-P.com slash dragon. That's your first refill pack free today. Do it. Enjoy it, clam fam. Love my Quip. Great toothbrushes. Moving on, let's talk secession. Okay. Season two, episode four. Uh, First of all, titled Safe Room. Here's your synopsis. Roman begins a six-week management training program. Hilarious, by the way. Connor and Willa attend the funeral of a family friend with a complicated past. Logan and Kendall arrange a covert meeting with PGM CEO Rhea Jarrell. Jarrell? Controversy surrounds a star anchor. And, uh, Bear, you mentioned last week, I believe last week, that you love the bottle episodes, right? You love a good bottle episode to get characters and all the characters interacting with each other. Well, that, okay, that's not... The terms are mixed up. A bottle uh, episode is slightly different, okay. but I do, but I do like when the characters are all forced 
together. So what but is he, a bottle episode a versus bo- a... a bottle episode would be like if we spent one entire episode on oh, ah, Tom. Got it. Okay, that's a bottle off, episode. Like, and it's like nobody else is is even in the show. It's all about Tom. Okay. Yeah. So this one is still considered a bottle, what, just because it attacks like... No, I wouldn't call this a bottle episode. Huh. Yeah. I saw someone call it that, and then I assumed, I mean... It, I assumed they were correct. It... They I mean, to, well, and also to be honest, like this one didn't even really put this one didn't even put a bunch of characters in a room together. It put them all in separate rooms. Yes, like small groups. Yeah, small Which groups. I sort so of it, enjoyed. It, yeah, it did kind of. So honestly, this this kind of this one did a better job of like breaking off people into smaller groups, which is also interesting because the show a lot of times gives us a lot of people all together. Sure. So, um, but yeah, I mean, all, all I said, and and obviously, you know that God, the media out there just. Taking your words and twisting them. I'm just saying, as always. As I just always. saw some displeasure on your Twitter feed, and I was like, "All I said, all I said was that for me, it, I thought it was the least enjoyable episode thus far of the season, which is a weird way to frame it because I still enjoyed the hell out of it. Yeah, like it. That's ju- on you. Just because I, yeah, and I don't know how to say that. It's like. I loved all them. It ranks four out of the four we've seen so you know far. Why? It's because it sucks to say. I really loved this episode, but uh, out of the four so far, I rank it last. Yeah, <laughs> right. Yeah, just saying that feels <laughs> fucking stupid. Like you just so, and I mean, I, I did have some discussion with people on Twitter, and and a lot of our listeners made really good points about why they liked this episode. And I will say, this episode had very, very poignant and excellent moments, especially the Shiv Kendall scene near the end. Yeah. That was something. but for but but as a whole, when we just talk about like the episode, the fifty minute, the whole thing together, it kind of felt a little disjointed to me, and I it, it just didn't have the it didn't have the same flow that yeah. some of the episodes no, have. I, I feel you. It was my least favorite of the season so far too, just for the record. But I also loved it, and I thought that that was probably because of the whole like you know shooting that had gone on. Yeah, which. The whole time felt like it just didn't, I I could not quite tell what they were trying to do with that. Like it clearly was not a super dangerous active shooter. There was way too much levity throughout. As soon as we hear that gun pop and then Tom's like pushing a woman in the hallway, like we're, that's, we're signaled, we're signaled immediately that this is like not a serious active shooter premises. That, but th- so I th- never felt that was going to be where they went with but it. But right? then there's like this like kind of weird pall over everybody, right? So it just like- Well, I, a guy I, committed suicide at his desk. Which again, also felt like a really weird choice to me until the end and Kendall goes back up to the roof and they've put up the glass, the glass barriers where once there were none. And then, I, and then it kind of like made a lot more sense to okay, me. Okay, let me, me ask doing. you, where'd the barriers come from? They put up. They erected them. They put them up. Why? B- to prevent jumping. Jumping. Yeah. And is the implication that Kendall is getting there? That is the implication. That's not why they put them up. They put them right, up because right. somebody killed themselves, and they were like, "Well, now we need to." But look it just out. so happens we've seen Kendall go up but the yes, rooftop but a couple na- times. But now it also. But yes, it is definitely implying that Kendall is like. It's like. It's in the back of his head somewhere, no matter how small that grain See is. See how you just walked through the fucking whole thing, though? Like, that, that is the, that's how the active shooter thing fit in, and it all right. ended up making sense. Yes. Yeah, that's so, what makes the show so good. Yeah, and, and after, you know, after talking to y'all, basically, like, I, I, I did 
I feel better about this episode than I did right after it. Yeah. Good. And okay. again, I mean, there was so much to love. Like, don't don't get me wrong here. I, I just I would. This is part of our job is is watching with a critical eye Dude, as well. Of course. So. No. Yeah. You got to take everything we say with a grain of salt in terms of the in the terms of the critical things we say. A lot of the time, with most of the shows we watch, we love the shows. We're being critical of them for the sake of literally enjoying them to the fullest potential. Um, you spoke to the scene at the end with Kendall and Shiv. Yes. Let's just attack that quickly because. That was one of the more heartbreaking things I think I've ever seen uh, unfold on a television screen in terms of Kendall's, some of the lines he had to deliver. If dad didn't need me right now, I don't know what I, what would, I would be, be for. for. Yeah. Is, is a, that was a very masterfully executed acting job. Yes. Because that's why that dude says doing this show is no fun. Yeah. Because he has to drag himself down to wanting to die. Yep. Now, here's, a, now here's something else about that scene that I like that that I heard people talk about and I didn't really consider in the moment and it's another piece of succession that like is is part of this of the weird draw of the show but is it possible that he is playing her with that it is possible <laughs> and we've seen it's enough like you have to ask the question because it's succession and because yes. we know that these people are all vipers it's possible because we've seen enough from Kendall to suggest he still got it secretly. Like, we've we've talked about the ways he's had success this season yeah. and how sort yeah. of being stripped of everything almost gave him the power to do what he needed to impress his dad. And, I, I mean, it still felt like to me he's right there in the wings. If his dad isn't directly rethinking whether or not Kendall is, is capable of running the company, he's at least on the track to one day maybe getting to that thought. And yeah. I think that's what Kendall wants, right? So then there's also that weird element between the, like, nobody knowing what everyone else knows on this show yeah. is, is what keeps the conversation so fucking tense. Yes. Because we know everything. <laughs> and they don't. And it's, uh, so watching those two interact, I mean, both of them, both Shiv and Kendall and the actors that play them did such a good job. They're phenomenal. And just I mean, w without kind of going down that path and like asking yourself all these all the questions about like, oh, well, what if the what if she's actually doing this? Yeah, all, you know, yeah. all the kind of conspiratorial type threads that that we could uh, that we yeah. could land on, you know, like just watching them have a real moment, a real brother sister moment. And, and when you see her face kind of like kind of shocked into this realization that, oh, man, this dude is. Fucked up. Not in a good place. Yes. Like that is, that's, it's super, super impactful well, because we get so little of like vulnerability from these characters. Yeah. They, they rarely, if ever, I mean, I can't think of another time other than this one recently, stop to actually see what's going on with one another. It's all the game. It's all the business. Right. It's all the corporate struggle. So, yeah, the moment when she does stop for a second to consider, oh, shit, this is my brother and he's not in a good place, it hurts because, you, I mean, that's what happens to a lot of people. You lose what matters to money and to success and to climbing the corporate ladder and to whatever. That happens to so many of us in America. And, uh, man, it's fucking sad when the most extreme version of it plays out on screen, obviously, yeah. which is a brother and sister being so, they're not siblings. They're 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 board members you know what i mean <laughs> yeah yeah and that's sad um I, I mean and this is that that's like it, it's a great way to put it and they are a product of 
Logan. Yes, of their father. Who, which is the show. Which that's the point. Yes, and 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 at this point, I think what we're kind of see, what we're kind of seeing is that they are still just pawns to him. Yes, like to Logan. Yeah, yeah. When they all get locked in the panic room, we we kind of see like why it might be useful to have Shiv around right now because of this whole Pierce thing. Right. She's like the one who we've already heard talk about, like, oh, well, if we acquire Pierce, like, where am I going to watch my news? Like, she's like worked for the Democratic presidential candidate. We know she kind of like leans that way a little bit. Right. Probably more so than the other family members do. And so it's just it's it's uh, Logan is still the mastermind and the kids are just kind of being placed where he where he thinks they're most useful to him, to him. at this point. Yeah, yeah. To him specifically. And it's funny because it's one of the more fascinating things about life to me is how people's parents impact them and because every single one of us carries all this crazy baggage and and not just baggage in a bad way also in a good way from our parents and obviously in some cases of extreme circumstance like these super incredibly powerful media families over the course of generations it would get really fucking weird like this and i i could see how it would be incredibly challenging to be part of a family uh, that was developed in this way. And it's just, it's a fascinating look at how parents, how this father figure, the patriarch of this family, how his, all the worst things about him have affected his kids in different ways. Yeah. And that's always the thing. Cause right. These four kids are what four kids, right. Came out of the same man's penis and balls. <laughs> And they're all very, very different and very, very messed up in very, very different ways. And that is one of the, the cooler things about like, or not cool, but it's one of the more fascinating things about life in general to me. So the fact that this show is sort of built on that premise almost partially is uh, part of why I love it so much. But Well, let's talk about another one of the kids and uh, ways in which he might be a little messed up. How about, how about Roman? Yeah, what's the deal here? So last week, we are... are, are those of you that are not part of our Patreon group, mm-hmm. the Mollusk Militia specifically, may have missed our hotline call where we started discussing whether we are we're going to get into Roman's His sexuality. sexuality. And that was certainly answered uh, on, on this week's episode. Well, the question wasn't answered, but our question of whether we were going to kind of like dive into that, in, into what is making him tick. Uh-huh. Was answered because we do go there when he has what, phone sex. Phone with sex Jerry. with uh, with Jerry. Yes, that yeah. happened. That happens on this episode. Yeah, you lest always, you forget. Yeah, you always uh, got a little spark between Jerry and Roman. Yeah, yeah, they, they did a good job. They, they planted the seed of alluding to even. I feel like in season one, you got a seed at some point of like, did Roman fuck Jerry? <laughs> did Ro- is Jerry fucking Roman? So no, I, I I liked that. It was hilarious that, and it's also funny because it's the second time in. As many months, probably, that you and I have had a, uh, like, weird sexual shame fetish situation unfold on a show that we have to watch. Because <laughs> uh, we had the pay pigs on, uh, on, uh, on Euphoria, Euphoria. Yep. and now we've got Roman, who, uh, being called pathetic and, and being talked down to during phone sex, is that's the thing he likes. He wants to be humiliated. Yeah. So. Yeah, I think Roman, out of the three kids, is probably the most self-loathing. Yeah, I kind of like it though. Like, yeah. it's in, in, in the most healthy way of the four, maybe other than Shiv. Shiv uh, is still the most healthy. Yeah, I, I mean, yeah. Well, okay. 
I, actually, never mind. He's just kind of scum. He's very, very, very scummy. <laughs> oh fuck! But well, compared to the uh, compared to the other two boys, like yeah, I guess by default he might be the most the most well adjusted. Or he's, he's found the least destructive ways to handle this shit. Yeah, you know what I mean. Like I feel like that's such a big part of it. Every one of us has to struggle. How are you going to deal with it? And in his case, it's with phone sex with Jerry. Yeah. Let's talk about Greg before I forget, please. Okay. He blackmails Tom into a better position in this episode. Yes. And it, it's one of those moments of pride for Tom. Tom could not be more thrilled about getting blackmailed. These are the best moments on this show. <laughs> when Greg takes steps to to show Tom he's learning and Tom gets really proud like a dad, uh, I love those moments. So that was, that was fucking hilarious. Uh, yeah. And I just, you know, I hope we were all taking notes about about how to blackmail somebody in just the nicest way possible. <laughs> Greg. <laughs> no, but seriously, so he's got like a better title, a better uh, office, uh, a better position. He went for the full step up, and that's going to be a fun thing to see the rest of the season, right? Do you expect to see that sort of start to roll? I, so that, it's a good, a good kind of question that we have moving into the second half of the season. Because... I, I don't know what that means for Greg. Right. Like, is it just purely going to be like, you know, the, your, your your classic nepotism where he's not actually doing anything? He just, like, has to do less of the grunt work? Or is, or is Tom still going to... Or, or is Tom still just going to, like, use him like a pledge, but now he just gets paid more for it and has a better title and a better view? So I think it's going to be less of the, the fetching Tom's coffee and doing pledge work. Okay. And intern stuff. And more like this, this will be his first real job okay. is what it felt like to me. Like okay. they're going to give Greg a real job and see if he can do real job stuff. Okay. Um, so it'll be fun to see Greg who is like basically playing on the lowest level of this game, mm-hmm. sort of weasel his way into the next level and, and see where he can go from here. Yeah. Um, let's talk about this training course situation that Roman gets sent to briefly or whatever. So like this kind of came out of nowhere. The whole idea is just that he needs res- his dad's respect to have a shot at even, like, that okay. was the play? Nobody takes Roman seriously. Right. Right. Because he's a little shit. And yeah. His creepy. dad definitely does not. Right. He blew up a satellite on, like, one of the first projects that he was assigned as co-CFO or whatever. He did. You know? He's he, he's not he's he's not the best at this whole thing. Uh. So, yes, this is him trying to prove that he is in it to win it, that he means business, that he can learn... That he can, you know, go through the steps, learn the ropes, pay his dues, and, and like, you know, have something to show for that, basically. This is, like, way too late for that. He would have needed to do it, this at 18. It does seem a little late for it, but... Like, nobody's I, looking at Roman in the training course going, ah, he's finally getting on track. Look, man, this could be an extra three zeros on that inheritance check. That's so you got you got to do what you got to do. No, that's a good point. To, in his defense, uh, I get it. And also, also... The dude got he needs to learn the price of a gallon of milk. Yeah. Of of a you know, of a dozen eggs. It's an important thing. It's, it is. It's the value of a hard earned dollar. He also makes a friend, the Enigma. The Enigma, yes. Yeah, the Enigma. Uh by the way, this is gonna register with like four people, four listeners out there. But this dude, the Enigma, he was on a show that did not make it very long, but it was actually a a, a pretty good, pretty funny half-hour network comedy that recently got canceled. What was it? It was on, uh, I believe it was on ABC, 
and it was called. Oh man, this is how good it was. Is that I don't even remember it. its name. It sounds phenomenal. <laughs> it really does sound like like it's just the best though. The thing is, it's too many. I'm gonna Google, look it up. I'm gonna dude, look it it's up. It's too many Googles away. You're gonna Google uh, like secession Roman friend. Then get the actor's name, then Google the actor's name, then get to whatever the show was that was canceled. And it's like, there's just too many, too many Googles. Yeah, yeah. You know, when something's too many degrees of Google away, sometimes you just got to walk. Yeah, yeah. And that's, that's what we'll do as a result. I thought that dude was cool, though. That was a cool thing that sort of threw in like a non-Roy, I guess. You know what I mean? I feel bad. The show is called I Feel Bad. I got there. Yes, oh, oh I did. God, I, I thought you were you were saying you feel bad for giving up. I feel bad. It's on Hulu. If you want to see this dude in, in something else, there's only like 10 episodes of it. It's pretty funny. Anyways, okay, yes. Um, the Enigma. Hashtag Enigma. Yeah, I, this is, we're kind of bringing in an outside character, right? We need a little, we, we got Holly Hunter. We got Holly Hunter as as mm-hmm. uh, as mm-hmm. Jarrell, Rhea Jarrell. Mm-hmm. And now we have the uh, the Enigma. So we're, we're 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 bringing in some some peripheral players, right? I'm digging it. I like it. I, I like, like it. the formula. I like all the things we're playing with. Now I don't. I, I didn't quite get the vibe that Roman got, where like they need to fast track this dude, bring him in immediately. I got the vibe that part of the why that was funny is because Roman is so fucking stupid, okay. and this is like the <laughs> first person he's literally talked to outside of his family and ever maybe. Yeah, and he's like, "We got to fast track this guy. <laughs> he's the best." Like, yeah, Roman, you're just a jackass. Um, I did love when Roman got cut out of the video, though. That was really fucking funny, dude. <laughs> like, he doesn't. Why didn't they just delete all of it? It's like why you didn't know, they leave him in there for one for two seconds. It's like they had the conversation. They're like, "His his line is too bad. We have to cut it." And they're like, "Well, we can't cut him from the video. He's Logan Roy's son." <laughs> and then they so he just pops up and just looks Smiles. and then disappears into the distance. <laughs> yeah. If you want more secession talk, we're going to be doing it on patreoncom slash cockles in depth secession talk coming uh, very soon. Very 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 soon. very very soon very soon. So that was it for episode four. And uh, again, more secession coming. We're obviously going to cover the rest of the season. But for our halfway point deep dive on patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, you will see that in the coming days. Today's episode of OCC is also brought to you by Honey. Nine times out of ten, shopping online beats going to the store. You don't have to drive anywhere. You're not dealing with pushy salespeople asking you if you need help every ten seconds. It's just nice to shop from the comfort of your damn couch. And nine times out of 10, you're overpaying when you shop online, unless you use Honey. It's a free browser extension. It's super cool. You just go to joinhoney.com slash dragon. You download it. And then anytime you shop, Honey helps you save money by finding you discounts and coupon codes across the web and applying them automatically. So like, give you an example. I did a full grocery run on target.com. And literally, this is how it works. As you're putting items into your cart, Honey pops up and says, all right, we're checking all the latest coupon codes. And very in seconds, it checks all of the coupon codes on the interwebs. And boom, they find one that works. And I saved $27 instant savings for that ass. You do not have to do anything. You just quickly download the free extension. And then it works as you shop. That's it. Think about how much money you could be saving if you used Honey. The average Honey user saves about $126 per year, which is like 25 cups of cold brew or two years worth of ad-free OCC on Patreon or half of a college textbook. Over 10 million people are already saving with Honey. Honey has over 100,000 five-star reviews on Google Chrome Store. Time Magazine calls Honey basically free money. There's no reason not to use Honey. It's free to use, installs on your computer in just two clicks, and it'll save you money so you can treat yourself to something nice. Get Honey for free at joinhoney.com slash dragon. That's join. 
honey.com slash dragon. Quickly, let us discuss Mindhunter. Yeah, we are, we're, we're going to kind of run through here the middle of the season. It's yeah. nine episodes, so we got four, five, six. We're right into the heart of the uh, of the season. We are. And we got a lot going on. Yeah. And I just kind of wanted to touch briefly briefly on, I, I, I'm guessing you've finished by now. I am all done. You're all done. I am. So halfway, we're, we're a little bit past the halfway point here. We're two thirds through. Yeah. And I, I, like you said, it, this show does start to coalesce a little bit more in this in this middle chunk. I don't know what that means, but yeah, it, it comes together. Okay, yes. We're we're not kind of like we're not so all over the place. We start to like narrow the focus. The first few with, episodes with, with one team like yeah. taking care of like this kind of like procedural, long going, long running case in Atlanta, and the other kind of team like continuing to focus on interviewing serial killers is essentially what right. we have going on now we have direction it feels like yes. the first few episodes sort of a lot of like wait okay where's the season gonna go what are we doing this season after episodes four through six you feel like you have a better idea and, yeah. and the atlanta child murders obviously seem to be the focus here yes and uh, you know I'm, I'm i'm definitely enjoying that more I, I you know i like that we've kind of got our two teams going now um one thing that I wanted to, to point out and see if you had noticed, who would you say was the star of season one? I think I would have to say Holden. I mean... So, he's suddenly number three. It does feel like he's sort of taking a back seat, right? Yeah. I think Bill Tinch would be my main character. I think Bill is, the, is, is, is kind of the main character, and we're getting a lot of Wendy, too. A lot of Wendy. A lot of windy. Holden is just kind of like the he he he's almost like the rookie. That's just he's he's got the the sea line basically. Yeah. So it, I, I that's just overall. I feel like that's an interesting choice. Because I didn't he, expect that. He felt like the main character in season one. Kind of no questions asked. But he the thing I like about the angle they've taken is maybe he's not the main focus as much as he was in season one, but he is still very much the talent, and he that's sort of the way they reframe it, right? Now we're going to explore Bill Tinch's life a little more. We're going to see what's going on with his family and this, and this kid that he and his wife adopted. <clears throat> but Holden is still the thing that makes Mindhunter work. And they almost acknowledge that with like the new boss. is like, please sure, uh, help me sure. nurture this kid. Let's keep him on the right track. All that shit. It's still Holden's show. We just get a different angle with Bill Tinch in, in season two and attack some things from different directions, I think. To, they wanted to switch it up a little bit, clearly. They didn't want to have too much of the exact same as season one. Yeah. And I, if you're going to complain about something for season two of Mindhunter, it would be that it's a lot. it feels like a lot of the same, especially the first few episodes. You're like, what is this? What's different about this? Where are we going? So now that we are, now that we're kind of like on this, on this Atlanta case, right? Yeah. I, I've got two different kind of takes there. One... I felt it, it felt a little procedurally like, oh, am I just watching like NCIS on CBS now? It did start to take smaller steps. Yeah. But, but then I then I started to think about it. And I'm sure you're aware that David Fincher is like the producer of Mindhunter and has directed several episodes. Yes. And I know David Fincher, you know, like what, what, when I think about him in my mind, <clears throat> usually what comes to mind first is the social network. Right. And I, I saw an Instagram post the other day with like, you know, saying basically, what's your favorite Fincher movie? 
And that's when I realized that David Fincher is David Fincher because he has directed Panic Room. He directed Zodiac. He directed The Curious Case of Benjamin Button, The Social Network, The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo, the first two episodes of House of Cards, Jesus. Gone Girl, and now seven episodes of Mindhunter. Like, this dude has a mood and a vibe, and Zodiac is an awesome movie. I fucking love that movie. And so, and, and with that realization, I'm like, okay, this Atlanta thing should be pretty cool because we're going to get this, like, super creepy, moody investigation in this non-fiction, fictionalized version of, I'm sorry, a fictionalized version of non-fiction. Yes, so th- so so it's 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 like Zodiac in a way, except for that we're taking even more liberty with like the characters that were that were kind of involved. In first, this. first of all, I had no idea David. Fin- I feel like that puts David Fincher firmly at the t- near the top he of the underrated the t- directors list. I mean, well, he's 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 near the top of like when people talk about modern like the best directors working right now he's he's on that yeah but for whatever reason i don't put him in that the first top three five within my head and he's i mean that's an insane run through that's that's an insane resume like that's that's a a lot of very very good stuff there fight club zodiac oh yeah i started at panic room so that, that that means i i yeah Fight Club and Seven and as Seven, well. yeah, man. I mean, that's a, that's a lot of really good shit that he's done, and it really explains. I cannot believe I had not put those pieces together, but yeah, Zodiac. This is the vibe, right? Season two of uh, of Mindhunter has been the vibe, and I, I'm dude. I'm 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 feeling the way that they've handled all this. I like the show uh, a lot, obviously, and yeah. in part because I'm I'm interested in how this stuff was actually developed. Like, I'm interested in how the FBI started to attack this. So that, so that's the back half of, of what I've got going on, though, here, is that I'm, I'm watching it, and I'm watching, like, Holden, like, talk to the, the Atlanta chief of police and talk about how they're profiling serial killers and being like, oh, man, that, that, that's, that's not our guy. Right. I'm watching them do this investigation, even though I know these are not real people, and that does kind of take me out of it a little bit because this is not... 100% true to life. Right. And so this stuff didn't actually happen. And so, so I find myself think... wondering, well, okay, what actually did happen then? Right. I think the coolest parts for me are like, all right, so like episode four, for example, we watched this black dude in, in Atlanta driving around. He's, he convinces a black kid to get into his car super easy, saying he has a job for him, uh, the, the paying kind for $2. All he has to do is hop in. And we're like, don't do it, kid, no. Yeah. But then after the credits, it's revealed Holden was actually testing to see how many black kids they could get into cars with strange black men. And this was the fourth <laughs> one that had agreed. And that's the kind of shit about this show that I enjoy is like, okay, at some point, somebody had to sit down, and in this case, it was Holden, and go, what do we do to trap these fucking people? Yeah. yeah. And start to attack serial killers from the ground strategic level. And... That's the thing that that I'm most interested in is like, because at some point that was a real job. Somebody had to do this and chronicle all this shit and categorize it and figure out how to study these uh, weird anomalies of humanity. Yeah. And obviously what ends up happening, they have Greg go to like a black neighborhood and then try to get a black kid to go with him. And they're like, man, you're a cop. Show us your dick. <laughs> <laughs> Pull it out. And he's like, excuse me? And they're like, 
cop won't show his dick. Show us your dick. And then a grandma pops out of the window and like chases his cracker ass off. It's just classic awkward white guy stuff. The point being, Holden is able to then develop the profile that he thinks they should be chasing, which is a black male mid to late 20s, arguing that none of those kids would go with a white dude no white person would go unnoticed in these Atlanta neighborhoods and that they would have had multiple eyewitness accounts and they had none. So when you go back and look at these like 70s and 60s and 80s serial killer cases, so often it's some stupid, seemingly simple break like this that eventually gets your guy. Right, right. Um, So that's the kind of thing that watching unfold on Mindhunter I've thoroughly enjoyed. And uh, also, just before you you all start tweeting links at me or or telling me how this all actually went down, Uh I'm purposely have not, I purposely have not dived into all of that because even though I do start wondering while I'm watching, you gotta do I'm, after. I, I'm just enjoying watching and, yeah. and letting it all unfold. You gotta do after the season. As a season of television. So I am purposely not going out and researching all that. Good. I know that it is widely available on oh, the yeah. internet. So oh, you yeah. don't need to send me any explanations or links for for all of this stuff. Good. Okay. I won't. Uh, I won't. And, and yeah. Um, l- last question here. Um, y- you know, the, Wendy's stuff is interesting. I feel like we've still got a ways to go before that like really develops into like a a, a, a significant storyline. It's a seedling. Um, so so I, I don't want to spend too much time on that. Bill and his crazy kid. Yes. R- Ross, this is something that I've actually thought about many times before, but because I am not actually yet a parent, I only have, you know, what I think I would do. Right. And I think... You've thought about what would happen if you adopted a kid or had a kid. Or had a kid, kid and, my, and your kid's a socio, yeah. Okay. I feel like I would be able to be like, my kid is a sociopath, please lock him up. That is probably far from the truth. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> but 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 my current running, you know, my running s- stance on this is that I would be like, Doc, <laughs> <laughs> the kid is a wacko, <laughs> please get him out of my sight. <laughs> Look, look, if it was an adopted kid, he's out. Oh, wow. You know what I'm saying? I'm I'm just that's that's the line for me. If I'm Bill Tinch and it's in a, that's that's obviously what makes the situation so incredibly complicated and so fucked up is that they they adopted this boy and I, now this I, I keep forgetting that. I yeah. do keep forgetting that. But well, also it's like he didn't kill the little boy. He just suggested that they put the little boy on a cross and also doesn't ever speak and looks like one of the demonic children from a horror movie. Uh, so I, when we were watching this this most recent episode where he's just like staring at the girl on the swing. Yeah. I was like, they need to make a new Omen movie because this kid was born to play Damien. <laughs> yes. You know, what the, like, yes. What the fuck? Um, okay. So here's another question just around that whole storyline yeah. that, that maybe I'm not supposed to know yet. Uh, let's see, six episodes through. But they I don't feel like they did a very good job explaining, So, but maybe you caught more than I did. Why was a two-year-old playing with, like, a five-year-old and, like, a 12-year-old? So Is that, that that's that's what was going on, right? Yeah. A, they, like a tiny, tiny toddler was yeah, tagging along with them? That's what it sounds like, right? Like a two, uh, probably just barely they, walking? Because they call him a baby, yeah. That's, that's He's, like, two years old. Every time they've explained the what happened with Bill Tinch's adopted son 
situation, I'm like, wait, what? Yeah. Like, how did they get in this? And situation? the older kids were like doing something messed up with the yeah. little with the baby, and yeah, I, no, I don't know. It's 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 all weird. And then and then Brian, but the kid Brian didn't Brian. And the way Bill Tinch says Brian Bri. every time he says Brian or Bry Bry. Yeah, I, something about Tinch this season. I really like the refocus on him. But yeah, man, uh, I I just. I'm I'm still not real clear on what happened there. Yeah. And are we going to go and do the whole, like cuz it look it's too hardcore if Bill Tinch's son adopted son ends up a serial killer <laughs> in like season 3 or 4. You know what I mean? Like yeah. that's way too on the nose. So my I think it's like do you even think I already think they're walking the line with the storyline. Yeah. Like, oh, what if a serial killer investigator's son turns out to be a killer? Came, right. You yeah. know, like, so it's a little, I, I think it's an interesting wrinkle. And I think that through six episodes, they've managed to like do a good job with it. Right. Especially in the way that it like affects his work. And well, I mean, it becomes, it becomes one of the things I'm most forward to looking, see what plays out, how it plays out this season is like, yeah. where is the situation with Tinch's kid so, going? Yeah. But yeah, but if it's, just, but, but yes, totally agree. If it's like the guy who catches serial killers, his son turns out to be a serial killer. And then that's, that's a, where serial killers come from. Or, that's yeah, why you always leave a note. Yeah. So uh, uh, yeah, we'll see. I, I'm, I'm, I'm much, I'm much more in the bag for the show, six through. Very excited to watch the remaining three. The show is still very, very well done. And uh, and and David again, Fincher. yeah, David Fincher, all the acting again, phenomenal. Feel really, really lucky that like the two shows that that we're covering right now are like are 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 top notch shows. Top gun top team, actor. Top Gun. Yeah, so he did. He did actually. David Fincher directed the first three of this of, season. Yes. Oh, I'm sorry. Yes. Of this season. So yep. the ones that you didn't appreciate as much. Yeah. You're true. scum. Yeah, I'm you're scum. scum. You're the yeah. Roman of our Roy family <laughs> that is this podcast. Well, Ross, I am an enigma. So. It, it is true. Yeah. This episode of OCC is also brought to you by Manscaped, a fantastic company who is finally providing men with the tools we need to properly maintain our downstairs mix-up. Are you using a terrible and incorrect tool with which to trim or groom your pubic region, you buffoon? Do not feel bad. This is a common issue for dudes. Most men just don't know what product to use to clean themselves up. Uh, for me in the past, I would I used to retire my old electric body hair razor and then try to use that as my, or I'm sorry, my old facial hair razor and try to use that as my body hair tool. And that is not what that product was made for. You should only use a product on your dick and balls that was made for that area because it's sensitive, Right. That's what the Manscaped product line was created for, specifically for a man's distinctive grooming needs below the waist. Their Lawnmower 2.0 is a rechargeable waterproof trimmer with skin safe technology for a nick free trim. Uh, everything they make, though, is created to cleanse, moisturize, and deodorize your smelly balls over at Manscaped. Specially formulated products, tools engineered to give every gentleman a close, refined appearance, empowering men. By providing the right tools for the right job. All you have to do is go to manscaped.com. That's M-A-N-S-C-A-P-E-D, manscaped.com. You use the code OCC at checkout, and you'll get 20% off your entire order. That's manscaped.com, code OCC for 20% off. And uh, that'll do it for today's episode of OCC. That Here is it? just about it. Yeah, that's that's, uh, that's what we got. But patreon.com slash oysters, claims, and cockles. Oh for, yeah, for, because there's a lot. There's a whole hell of a lot more coming tell in you September. What, I will tell you people what secession in depth, movie club it part two, 
Righteous Gemstones, Hotline Call Extravaganza, just for the Mollusk Militia, as we mentioned at the top of the show. Very much looking forward to bringing you all more on Patreon.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles in September and the remainder of 2020. Yeah, I, I mean, and I mean, look, I, I know everybody. Everybody out there is 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 going to see it. I'm this watching. Mo- I'm th- watching too much dark. This Barry. movie is. What did you say? I think it's 2020. Oh right, yeah. right yeah. now. Yes. Yeah, it's not. Everybody's going to see this thing. It. It. <laughs> They're going to see it. Isn't it hard to talk about? It is. It is. See? It is. Wow. It's got 71 percent on Rotten Tomatoes. Of course, they already let the reviews come out because they know they got a they know they got a a, a, gold, a golden goose here. Okay, before I forget, did you see they put out a Sandler? There's an Adam Sandler movie coming out that has a 100 percent rating on Rotten Tomatoes currently. No, but, I d- but nobody knows anything about it. Basically, this is the first time I've seen this perfect rating thing used, but before there's even any availability for a trailer or anything about the movie. Yeah, and it's like somebody figured out finally. Wait a minute, all we have to do is do a perfect score on Rotten Tomatoes for at least a brief period at the front to drum up <laughs> hype, and it will work. So, sorry to, sorry to interrupt you, but I totally would have forgot I saw that headline about Adam Sandler's deal, and I was like, okay. I just want, it, it the first one, part one, chapter one, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. it did $123 million the opening weekend of It One. Now, we've got sequel hype surrounding this thing. Now we got Bill Hader and James McFoy and Jessica Chastain yeah. headlining this thing. Like, do not sleep. You uh, well, do not sleep because the clowns are coming for you. They but are. also, do not sleep on this film. Or Freddy. You're gonna want to go see it. And uh, let me just tell you, uh, even even if you don't like horror movies, go go see it. It's, You'll like it's it. Really, really good. I'm about to force uh, my girlfriend to watch the first one. Actually, she, it's a good movie. She hates horror okay. movies, but it's hates not. Them. It, dude. I don't think it's fair to put it, it into that category because <laughs> it is, uh, it was more of like a nostalgic 80, it's yeah, more Stranger yeah. Things than horror movie. Like Stranger Things 3 was scarier than It 1. Now there are <laughs> yeah. parts of It 1, there, like at the end, where you're like, holy sh- fucking clowns. Yeah. But most of the movie is just fun. And and like, yeah, you have spooky moments or whatever, but not a lot of like, well, I'm not going to sleep tonight. Right, right, right. I'm hoping... S- disturbingly hoping that they take that step forward with the second one. They might. They Based really, on the trailer. They really, really might, yeah. It's like they, all right, let's get everybody in the theater, let's get them into this lore and this this it yep. story. Yeah, force your friends to go see this. Then, yep. for the second movie, we'll blow everybody's back out and just destroy the world. <laughs> and I feel like that's what they're going to do. So I'm excited to discuss it. We are covering that movie, once again, only on patreon.com slash wasters, clams, cockles. And we already got our tickets, so we're psyched. Yeah. Uh, thank you guys for supporting us, for listening to today's episode. Uh, huge thanks to our sponsors, obviously, for supporting the show as well. Make sure you support our sponsors to support us. And if for whatever reason you don't need the greatest products known to man, which are made by and brought to you by the products or the sponsors of the show, excuse me, then you can support us directly by going to patreon.com slash oysters, clams, cockles, where in exchange you will get more OCC ad-free every single month uh, for a very small fee. Follow us on social media or on Instagram at Oysters, Clams, Cockles on Twitter at Clams and Cockles on Facebook.com slash Oysters, Clams, Cockles for updates and uh, content around the best in TV and movies. Uh, follow me, Ross Bolin, on Twitter, Instagram, and Snapchat at W-R-B-O-L-E-N on all three. Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat at W-R-Bolin. You can also listen to my other show, The Ross Bolin Podcast, where uh, I talk about all manner of things that I find to be interesting, comedy, humor, Animals, serial killers like Mindhunter, pirates, 
what have you, mental health, substance abuse, addiction. We tackle all that kind of stuff on the Ross Boland podcast, available wherever you're listening to Oysters, Clams, and Cockles. Mr. Barrett Dudley, where can we follow you and hear more from your lovely voice? I would encourage you to go on uh, your Instagram app and follow the account for my podcast, mm. at Club Cool Pod, where, uh, where I've been doing a little Q&A regarding uh, fashion and style type stuff. That stuff is, is, if you want to see what I've answered already. In the stories, it's, right? It's saved in the highlights, yeah, and I'll, I'm going to be doing more. And then uh, and if you find some of that stuff interesting, we've got a new podcast coming tomorrow evening ooh, of ooh. Club Cool where we meet at the intersection of style and pop culture. If you just want to follow me and, and see me half-assedly attempt to be a style blogger, then that's at Barrett Dudley on Instagram. And if you would like to... Uh, to send me a bunch of links to exactly what happened for the Atlanta child murders, uh, Twitter, at Barrett W. <laughs> Just kidding. Please don't do that. I'm going to finish Mindhunter very soon, and then I will look it all up for myself. Thank you. Um, most of my DMs at this point are like stuff like that. Where I can't even go in there, just because it's it's just such a mess. And I and I and I know how to use the Google machine. I do know how to use it. Believe it or not. Yeah. That uh, we're done. We're gone. Okay. We'll talk to you later. Alrighty. Yeah. Adios, muchachos.